0: Hello, you're listening to the official IWF Diamond League podcast. In this week's show, quite an emotional interview with an American 400 meter hurdler. He's 35 years old, his nickname is Batman, he won the 2005 World Championships in Helsinki, he has an Olympic bronze medal from 2008 in Beijing, and he also has two relay titles from 2009 and 2011, the World Championships in Germany and South Korea a career of some longevity.
1: These guys are young, probably a decade younger than me. They can't beat me. I ain't gonna let them.
0: The man I'm talking about is Bashawn Jackson, who's been through a lot, including the death of his father, his grandmother, and his first coach. And he's been describing everything that he's been through that's made him the character and the athlete that he is today, and why he's still going, striving for more. You can hear all about Bashawn in this interview with Tom Byrne.
1: I was a kid from the projects, which is a very, very poor area. And we used to be outside playing all day with our shoes off. And um, I was racing a kid down the street. And a coach that stayed next door to where we were living at, he said, Man, you can run. He said, Man, let me see you racing my daughter. So that's the thing in Miami, you know. I race pole to pole, light pole to light pole, and I beat his daughter. So when I beat his daughter, he came to my dad, he's like, Man, your son probably can run. Maybe we need to put him in track and field. And um, he took me out to a guy named Jesse Hope, which was, he had his own track and field program. And I never knew that that was my determining factor of my life. Um, for one, my parents couldn't afford it. Um, I ran for one year and every year I run, I run the whole season and then it was time to go to nationals. Anything about involving money, um, we didn't go. Like I, I couldn't make it. So, um, the very next year come around and I run good all season because I, I love I was Very, very active. My dad wanted to find a way to put me in something and burn some of the energy up. And the very next year, I ran again and it got close to nationals and I didn't show up. So my track coach was like, man, this Vershawn Jackson kid come out here every year. He do really, really well. But when it's time for nationals or anything involving money, he just never show up. So he come to my house and he seen my situation. So, you know, I was a kid that lived in like a two bedroom with like 13 people. Um, you know, we made a way out of nowhere. Um, my grandma didn't really care about, you know, um, nice clothes and nice shoes. Only thing she really cared about is food in our mouth and clothes on our back, you know? And it was rough, you know? Um, I remember having holes in my shoes and putting a cardboard boxes in for my socks when not get wet. So you know, it's a life that you know I lived, and it taught me how to survive. As I got older, you know, I was never that. Sonny Richards Ross. Sonny was always good her whole life. <laughs> or Allison Felix. You know, I you was. Grew up,
2: you grew up. No, Sonia I grew. up, Yes, yeah. yes.
1: So man, son grew up in the same area. She's always been amazing, but me, I was always smaller than everyone else. So I think it was a mm-hmm. developmental. Program developmental thing like genetics you know I was a late bloomer so when I got to high school my freshman year I had started having hip pointers and so you know what I don't think track for me I was really good in baseball I was really good in football and in Miami baseball and football is like the thing to do besides track and field but my track coach Jesse Hope kept encouraging me saying you can do this like you know and he kept and he sponsored me he paid for all my trips um, I didn't pay for not one trip once I turned 10 years old. And he seen something in me I didn't see in myself. So one day I was joking around when I was 12 years old, 13, joking around and I jumped in the hurdles. I was a bad kid, you know. I, was, I got in fights a lot. I, um, very, I was very active, so to speak.
2: So you weren't really academic at all? You
1: wanted to just be outside running around? Yes, I was pretty good academically. My only issue in school was playing, talking. I made good A's. I mean, all age you know, academic-wise, but then when it came to um, when it came to behavior, I was just bad, like just naughty. I was just naughty. I yeah, was yeah. the cheapest kid. So um, Jesse Holt kept saying, you know, stand track, you know, um, please, like, you know, I'm gonna help you out here. Come pick me up and here, take me, you know, to um, the park and we'll do extra stuff. And but. By my junior year in high school, I was the man to beat. He already taught me the, the main components. He taught me work ethic. I had the work ethic. Yeah. He taught me character. I had the character, personality. Like he, he taught me, when you come race, because I started in named Batman when I was 12 years old. And he said, it's the Batman show. He already put in my head that people here to see me run. And I was a kid, I wasn't that good. I wasn't the man to just blow everybody out but I ran a lot of desire. I ran a lot of courage and I went out and I competed. My junior year, I was kicking butt. I don't know what happened between my sophomore to junior year, but it happened.
2: So that's like 16, 17? Yes, about yeah.
1: 16, 17, it happened for yeah. me. Now, it's gonna go fast now. So when <laughs> I turned 17, I dominated. And then I went to the um, junior Olympics and I won it. And then the very next year, I made it to the World Juniors, and got third. And then the very next year, I go to college, and then I dominate college, I PR every race, I make the world the World championship team, then I'm professional. So I, I got beat my whole career, and then it got to when I was 17, it just turned around for me. So I tell kids all the time, it's the journey we take. You know, it's, a, it's not a marathon, it's a sprint. I mean, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. and. Track saved my life. The Track gave me opportunity to travel the world. The first of my family, nobody went to college with me, and I wanted different for me and my and my family. And I wanted to choose a different path. But it's like my whole life, I had to always defeat the odds. You know, I was a little recruited in college. I said I was too short. They said I was too bad. I was not never a bad kid. I was a product to my environment. And I knew if you take me out of that situation, I can be a different kid. You know, and. No one gave me a chance, even on the professional level. After I turned professional and I train so hard, I give it all I got every time I step on the track. Like that's just who I am. I don't know no other way. And they say I was too short. They say 15 strides when not make him a professional level. And we're in 2018. I'm still here. It's not a coincidence. Well, in an event that they call the Manita,
2: you've just shown incredible longevity. What, yes. what, what did you put that down to? Because when you do race. Mm -hmm. As you've already explained, you put everything into a race, and I look over your performances over the last, you know, your seasons over the last 10 years, you're doing 200 straights, you're doing 200 hurdles straight. you're doing 800 metre races, you know, you do 4x4s, you've got quite a few World Championship titles in the 4x4 alongside your individual four hurdles. Mm -hmm. How do you think you've been able to manage your body over such a long period of
1: time, given the schedule that you kind of demand of it? you get out what you put in. And I'm a firm believer in that. And I, I, I'm a firm believer of, you know, taking care of your body. I'm a firm believer of, you know, going out and giving it all you have. So at my event, it's one of the events where you have to be strong enough and fast enough to sustain your stride pattern throughout 10 hertz. For me, I'm at a disadvantage. You got um, Samba that's running 46.9. You know, and when I first came in the sport, you had Vic Sanchez running 47.2. And when I first came, my PB was 48, 48-2. So, in order for me to be great and be the best, like my, my mindset is, I want to be the best. So, I gotta train harder, and harder, and harder, and harder. So, in the fall, I don't take it for granted because I felt like the stronger that foundation, how you can build that skyscraper. That foundation is weak, it's gonna collapse. So, I have a lot of disadvantage because I can't 13 stride, or I can't 14 stride. I got a 15 the whole way. So, if I'm not strong enough to finish strong. I'm done. So, in the fall, I put the work in. You know, I, I throw up, I can't finish workouts sometime. I'm laid out, and they say hard work pays off. And every year, year after year, I never get complacent. When I win Worlds, I still train like I never won nothing. I'm um, number one in the world, I still train like I never number one in the world. So, I think over the years, that helped me sustain a really good career. Because um, we're not just talking about longevity. You know, mm-hmm. when you got that world title in 05,
2: mm-hmm. Diamond League title in 10, mm-hmm. Diamond League title in 2015 mm-hmm. as well. You know, yeah. you keep coming back every time, you maybe think, oh, yeah. this is it, Sean's best days,
1: it kind of been and gone. Yeah, You just appear again and just have another stellar season. 2012, let's go back to 2012. One of the most amazing seasons of my career. And I go opened up 48-2. Best season opener ever. And I... Um, Go to the Olympic trials and just know, make the team. I booked all my family flights and everything. And um, just for everything would be so expensive because I just knew I put the work in. And um, get to the finals, jogged the semis, 486, 48-6, feel good. And get to the finals and disaster strikes. Angelo Taylor crashed my eighth hurdle. He didn't do it intentionally, but he was tired. He went out, battle out of hell and he was, tiring out come around the turn and he hooked the hurdle and crashed mine. So as I come up on him, but just me him in the front, it came back up on me. And when that hurdle came back up on me, it broke my momentum. So instead of me adjusting to it, I kept trying to push it. So I'm over striding, trying to make my 15 stride because at this point I'm fading. And I fall back to third and then Karan Clement and I crashed the ninth hurdle because I just barely made it and I barely made 10 and I crashed it and Karan Clement come up on me and I took four, right? And I went to do the protest and when I filed a protest, they said, um, for some reason, they didn't see nothing. So my agent was on it at the time, it was Mark Whitmore. He was on it, he went, find another protest, filed another appeal and they said, all right, just go to the drug test and we'll handle this. So I'm just, no, I'm okay. I'm going to the Olympic team because I was impeded. And they did not disqualify me. They wouldn't talk to me. It, when a kid worked so hard to make his dream reality and it get taken away, that hunted me for a couple years. You know, um, for a guy to work so hard, you take it away from him, it's like, it's not right. 2013, I said, I'm gonna come back with a vengeance. I tell my hamstring. 2014, I get hurt again. You say, you know what? I'm just too upset. Let me just not think about what happened in 2012 because I felt like that was my defining moment of my career. You know, 2008, I should have won. I blew it. It's my first one I choked. You got bronze? I got bronze, but I, I choked. That's the only race in my career that I choked. I choked because I was overwhelmed, I was nervous. I had so many emotions going on. It's was like, oh my God, I'm here. I got the whole city of Miami saying, oh, Batman, do it for us, you can do it. It's like, ah. You know, and I choked. I went out too slow and I came and I had so much energy left, but it was too late. Blew it. 2012 was like, okay, I got this. And then this happened. But 2015 come around, I said, you know what? I told my coach, I'm sorry, you know what, I'm gonna train like I supposed to. I still was training good, I still made the team. 2013, I ran 50.01, my season best going into the US Trials. Ran 48 flat, made the team. Just pull it out of there, Ah, I got it. Then I get to Moscow and pull my hamstring, second round. I felt good at warm up. As soon as I ran, pow, it's gone. Second round, out. 2014, go to US Nationals, okay, I'm gonna prove them, I still got it. Put my hands And I tell my coach, I'm like, coach, I don't think I got it no more. And coach said, you still got it. You know, just focus, you know, stop worrying about stuff that happened in the past and worry about what's happening right now. And I did that. I said, okay, 2015 come from the very first race, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, I had an amazing season. And I said, okay, this is it. Like, <laughs> I'm excited. My dad surprises me and come out to To um, China my dad and my stepmom and my sister they came out because you know support matters and you know I get support from far away but I never get that internal support what you need it's always good to look up in the stands and see somebody give you the thumbs up or tell you I love you no matter what and in 2015 before practice uh, we're doing practice we're doing like block stars we're doing block stars and I felt like I was dehydrated. Like, when I mean, you out there as an athlete, you don't really know, okay, your mind don't say drink water. But, I kept having cotton throat. Like, you know how you, you spit and your throat's so dry, it's cotton, and I had cotton throat. I didn't think nothing of it. And I was doing block starts, and my right hamstring cramped up. Damn, so it cramped up. So I go to my coach and I stop. And everybody the track watching so I walked off really really calm and they' doing treatment around the clock and I got one day before the first round people understand I don't never say okay I don't make excuses you would never see an article say, "Oh Batman said he didn't win because his hamstring no I just lost because I lost and but people look at it and their perception is damn, Batman a choke artist, he don't got it not no I'm running no bum hamstring it was wrapped up into a cook and wrapped up no more but so, it gets worse. So, I got so many points ahead because I won every Diamond League. I go to the Diamond League Finals and I win the Diamond League Finals, of course. And I go home and I get a phone call. So I was with my dad, me, Sonia Richards-Ross, my dad, Sonia's coach. We all went to the Great Wall of China. We all went to, you know, see all the stuff in, in China. And my dad go home. I get a call and dad irresponsible. I just seen my dad. He's irresponsive, like, so like, what you mean? He's like, Wake him up, he sleep, and they dropped the phone. <clears throat> so <clears throat> they dropped the phone, and I say, what's going on? So I'm calling back, nobody answered him. Calling back, nobody answered He had a massive heart attack. And when he had a massive heart attack, um, they found him on the ground, and he was irresponsive. Hard stop and they did CPR, and the the paramedics came and they shocked them. It's like an amazing year. started out to be a disaster year. And the paramedics came and rushed to the hospital. I get to Miami, I see my dad laying there, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? I just seen my dad in China. It's the last time I seen him. After 72 hours, they said, we can't help him no more. Nothing we can do. We can fix his heart, but his brain dead so it don't make sense, I'm like, you have to do something. But I think that was the end of my career because from that moment on, I couldn't do it. I said, I'm gonna run for my dad, I'm gonna run for my dad. And 2016 come, I just wasn't the same athlete. I couldn't break 49 seconds. And then the day before the Olympic trials, they kept calling me, and grandma in the hospital, was she okay? Okay. That's weird. Why would they call me, is my grandma okay? i like she's in the hospital. My grandma died at Olympic trials. And she had cancer. After my dad died, she did no more chemotherapy. She just let herself go. Nobody knew. She missed all her appointments. After my dad died, she just went downhill. And she had cancer, and then I spread over her whole body, hit her kidneys, everything, she flatlined. They broke her back, and then she signed a paper like, do not resuscitate. Before Olympic trials finals, and how can a kid make a team after going through all this? It's crazy. And after the Olympic trial, I flew straight to Miami. I didn't make a team before. I took dead last. In my whole life, I never took last in nothing I did. Nothing, 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 nothing. I don't give a damn how out of shape I am. I never took last. I took last three times in my whole career. What's going on, man? Three times in my whole career, I took last. I took last in Zurich Diamond League finals last year. I took last at Olympic trials 2016. I took last at 2017 trials. And I had lane one in all three of them occasions, but it was a situation where I did something i never do. I gave up at the end. Couldn't win, worked so hard, I just gave up. And I just knew from there, that's why I said I'm retiring, because go visit my grandma. And as soon as I visit her, oh, you here? She still was talking. She died. And then the guy Jesse Hope that we kind of recycle back to the guy who saved my life. You know, he came to my dad's funeral. was like, you know, you still got a daddy here, and you know, he's saying he loved me. His family always supported me. They came to Beijing, China. I got pictures with them. You know, he, him, and his wife and his son. They flew to see me in the Olympics. And the best dream in the world, I and mean, the best gift, it someone to invest their heart into you pour their heart into you, and then you succeed. And they watch you run in the Olympics. Like, it started out developmental, and then from developmental, it goes to the Olympic Games. You don't know if a kid goes to the Olympic Games or not. And then to get on the podium, I was upset about third, but I'm grateful for the third because I never miss the Olympics again. So, you you know, God do things for a reason. And, you know, I'm a living testimony for a kid to say, never say what you can't do. Because they told me I couldn't do it. And I'm still here 2018, 2003. So, um, after Beijing, and so my coach came to Beijing, kind of flashback, and he had a stroke, a mild stroke, and when he had the stroke, he still had his mind a little bit, and I go see him, and I had that. So a week later, I had the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame ceremony, where I got into the NCAA Hall of Fame. So my coach said, I want to come with you. So, I bring my coach with me to the Hall of Fame thing. He was still a little sick from the stroke, but it was a mild stroke. I get a call in the living room a month later. Coach O dead. He fell on the side of the house. And when he fell on the side of the house, um, he passed out, I guess it was hot, he passed out. And he flatlined, and when he flatlined, the wife panicked. When she panicked, she went for help and the whole time he was on the ground flatline. So when they came, they couldn't get a heartbeat he So he died. So 2017, when I knew what was going to be the best year, because he died early 2017. So these things have kind
2: of like stacked up at the back oh, end of your career man. that just yes. really taken an emotional toll after a physical toll that's kind of gone yeah. on so long.
1: So it happened at the latter part of my career. Yeah. So it's like, still training good, still killing workouts. I know I'm still fast, but I got all this stuff happening. You know, I can remember Felix Sanchez in the middle of his career. He lost his grandma and he struggled. And then he came back and won with the games. It wasn't that he ain't having no more, but people don't see what's going on off the track that affects us on the track. You know, they just see us on the track and I'm like, oh, he washed up. Let's push him out to the side, to the birds. But, you know, and what disappointing for me is when I'm in a race, I race to compete. I will wait, listen for Doha. Then I got into Doha I took second. I waitlisted for Oslo, I wait listed for Stockholm. Not Stockholm, sorry, um Rome. It's like I can't get in none of these meets, but when I'm in the meets I'm it. Mm-hmm. Then you put me in lane two and I beat him. <laughs> so, you know, it's one it's one of them things where, you know, Oh, he don't got it no more. Oh, he still got it. I still got it.
2: Do you still fit do you feel like you since you began in this sport, you've been proving yourself, and
1: you're still yes. still proving yourself to this yes. day. Yes, from the first time I stepped on the track, I've been proving myself. I gotta prove myself constantly, over and over and over and over. And it's maybe because I came to the sport different. I brought a different swag to the sport. But what's my gratitude my gratitude come from is when kids come to me and say, "Okay, because you got what hairbands bands," you know because of you, I I do 15 strides, or I go out hard, then I come home strong. Like, I have changed the game. I changed the game. Like, at first, people going out hard, 13 on the away, I changed the game. Because going out too hard and me coming home strong, you better get away from me. If you don't get away from me, I'm gonna pass you. You're not gonna win. So, who cares if I keep have to prove. you know? Um, I just know when I said I was going to retire and people came on my social media and they gave me so, so many good words, over 300, 400 messages saying how much they love me and how much I have brought to the sport. That's my joy, saying whoever thought a key out of projects can come and be an impact in the track and field community.
2: Do you ever think what your life might have become if that coach hadn't lived on your road and seen you sprinting that day? I'd probably be dead. I'd
1: probably be dead. I'd probably be, be in jail. Probably be there. That coach saved my life. That coach saved my life. Like, that coach installed so much in me. Because even when I came on a professional scene, I I still had a little bit of doubts in my mind that I might not make it long term in this sport. He was always there telling me, you can do it. This is designed for you. It's the Batman show. He always said it's the Batman show. So. Thanks to this guy, I'm the man I am today. Also my parents, I can't can't discredit my parents and my parents, you know, of course, you know, went to hell and back for me and also my grandma, but Jesse Hope was the reason I'm a professional track and field athlete. And he's the reason I can sit here and tell my testimony on what I've been through in my life and what I I overcame and, and, and what I achieved. He's the reason. You know, and
0: I'm
1: going to continue to prove to people that I still can do this, whether they like it or not. My, my opponents don't like it because they know I'm about to bring it to them. You know? <laughs> You've got kids of your own now. Yes. Is this,
2: is this something that brings you joy to see them compete in the track and field as well?
1: Yes, my daughter's amazing. She's 12 years old, 5402, 1179, and 100. So she is definitely on her way, and my um, eight-year-old daughter, she's a 107, 400 runner. Then my baby boy is 6 years old Bershon Jackson Jr., but, you know. The little Batman. Little Batman. <laughs> you call him Robin? <laughs> <laughs> but what I teach my kids is um, how to be resilient, not just on the track, off the track. Education, and then we can work on sports. I don't really train my kids hard. I teach my kids work ethic and character character and work ethic, and how to compete, if the main components of being a professional athlete. Because everybody's good at some point. Everybody's good. So what's gonna separate you is work ethic. I can show you reports that uh, when I first went 47-6, and they said Bershawn Jackson would not sustain a long professional career. Who the hell writes that about uh, a uh, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, I was 20 the time. They wrote in the article. And then I won the Worlds and they say, okay. And it was right about this one. And they'll right because of me. Is all, it was luck. Luck. I went 47.3 a couple of times in my career. I didn't go 47.3 one time. I ran 47.3 a couple of times in my career. I ran a lot of 47.4, a lot of 47.5, a lot of 47.6. And I done went 47. So a flute is you run 47.3 one time and never see it again. Oh, you fucked it up. Oh, I backed it up. Played yes, yes. A lot of my downfalls, too, was I'm an overachiever. I want to win so bad, and I overtrain sometimes. Sometimes I train too hard. Sometimes I need to just back off, and I pull my damn hamstring because I want it so bad. And I'm guilty of that. But I know when I have my kids and when I become a coach, I know. See, I go through these things not for me. I go through these things to teach the next person what not to do. So you know, overall, man, it's been a great journey, a great ride. I I embrace every moment. I don't take nothing for granted. I go to every meet directly and say, "I thank you for the opportunity," because these people don't want want me in the lanes no more. These guys is young, and these guys is probably a decade younger than me. (laughs) They can't beat me. I ain't gonna let them. So that's the the name of the game, you know. Having somebody to try that's gonna compete and put on the show
0: all about but Sean Jackson the American 400 meter hurdler and uh, three times world champion made of some tough stuff going through the death of his father and his grandmother and his first coach all at key times in his career but uh, 13 years since he won the title in Helsinki still going and on the Diamond League circuit great to see well the road to the final returns on the 18th of August in Birmingham until then Keep up to date with what's happening on the Diamond League YouTube channel and on social media as well. And if you've missed any of these episodes of the podcast, by all means, go back and listen on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you for joining me, Alex Seftal, for this episode, though. And uh, until next time, goodbye.